the workday's unconventional. The way we teach uh, kids how to do it is unconventional. So does the model of clocking in from 9 to 5 really work? Well, are you ever not working? I mean, is your brain ever completely shut off from what you do at your day job? No, not at all. It, it, and it's not even anything you can control, it, right? How many times have you found... In, let, let me take that a little step further. How many times have you found yourself either in the middle of the night waking up saying, Oh, that's yeah. what I could have done. And then, well, and and I plan on that now. Yeah, it's so it's so awesome, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm glad that happened. Welcome to the Arcaspeak podcast. I'm Evan Troxel. Each episode, Neil Pan, Cormac Phelan, and I have a casual conversation about all things architecture. And we invite you to listen in as we talk about everything in the profession, both the good and the bad. Maybe you're considering a career in architecture, you're still in school, or you've been around the blocks of Carbusier's City of Tomorrow more times than you'd like to admit. Join us in the studio as we stand around the water cooler and talk about why we love our chosen profession. It's time for some Arcaspeak. So welcome to episode 59 of the Arcaspeak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And this show is sponsored by ArcCat and Roundhouse Labs. We'll talk more about them later in the show. But first, we're going to jump back into the conversation from part one of when three architects walk into a bar. Yeah, we are still in the bar. And luckily, last episode turned into two hours of talking because Cormac and I are both under the weather here. So that actually worked out pretty well. <laughs> so I think we're yeah. going to talk a little bit about some of the feedback that we got. Well, let's just say we, we've gotten some really good feedback from the last episode. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to wait until we get more feedback from this episode, which is part two. And then we'll uh, maybe address all of it after these two wrap up. And so maybe at the beginning of the next episode, we can talk about that kind of stuff. Other than that, we did get a voicemail, didn't we? Yes, we received a voicemail from Marika Snyder, and we really appreciate the voicemail. The audio didn't quite come through well enough to include it in the episode, but uh, but we love getting the voicemails and appreciate the follow-up email as well. Yeah, for sure. Thank you very much, Marika. We appreciate it. And it sounds like Marika, she was procrastinating getting, getting back to the door schedule, so... We, we appreciate that, Marika, and thank, so thanks for the voicemail. And we, we would like everybody to call in with their uh, stories regarding things that we're talking about. What's the phone number they can do that at, Neil? 415-484-8496. So please call our, our Google number there. Leave us a voicemail. You won't ever talk to a real human there, so you don't have to feel... Uh, like like you're uh, on the spot, you just just call, leave a leave a funny story, leave a sad story. Call the Arcaspeak helpline. If it works out, it'll get played on the air. All right, so we're gonna jump back into the conversation, kind of where we left off. Um, I I think that we we did shift gears a little bit, but we're still kind of generally sent talking about the same the same stuff where we're talking about what were we talking about? Does anybody remember? Yeah, we were talking about. Um what normal business hours are and a strategy for growth and uh, quite a bit about how to manage and deal with, with having a firm. That's right. Yeah. So let's jump back into that right now and then we'll, we'll pick it back up at the end of the episode here. When you did mention about flexible time to work, the problem with that is that in business there's, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but in general, I mean, business happens during business hours. Well, okay. And you you should be expected to, I mean, if, if you call somebody at well, What are business hours for your clients, though? Your clients well, I don't know what they are, but... Exactly, because you're but, not... Listen, where I'm going with this is you're not actually... Your business doesn't rely on a nine-to-five, because you're right. going to meet with a client that most likely is going to be after their dinner or something like that, where you can sit down, go over to their house and sit down at their you know dining room table and talk about their projects. And so that's not a normal business hour. 
That's true. You know, it's it's that is flexibility. So then when you your business hour is after the meeting when you're putting together their projects. Yeah, where whereas I think Neil, your perspective that you mentioned is mm-hmm. way more where I work. Right. It's less where you work. <laughs> and it's definitely yeah, where but, I work. But I don't think I don't think school is failing us or they're not teaching us to to work a certain way. I mean, school oh, sure. is just it's a different work environment. It's just different, right? I mean, you're still in studio in the afternoons from, you know, 1 to 5 or whatever I had, your studio I had, hours are. I had are. studio 3 days a week for yeah. from one o- from 1 o'clock to uh, I don't know. It was like one o'clock to five o'clock. Yeah. And, but, okay. So that's not normal business hours. No. So but, that that's but, the studio, but then it's yeah. okay. So that's getting the project. So that's like you sitting down at the dining room table, right? So now, so when does the actual work of that project actually happen? It's usually off hours. So now I'm sitting there, I'm listening to a lecture, or I'm listening to, or we're giving presentations, or we're doing this and that in school. And so that's the studio time. I mean, do you remember actually, okay, so yes, there's been plenty of time where you're actually just doing work towards the project during studio time. But there's a lot more teaching that's going on that isn't the actual production work. So now right. you're so so now you're having to make up time at other unconventional times to actually do the work for the work you're being directed to do during the time you are saying you should be working. Right? Yeah. I mean so so we're training the we're training students to um to do to to work on projects in a manner that they will never work on if they're going to come into a conventional working environment where it's a nine to five, you know, kind of process where you come in and you're expected to be on uh, your creative juices from the moment the caffeine hits uh, to, you know, the time that you clock out and go home. But nine times out of ten, if I'm like working on a project, I may sit around for a little while and, you know, try to collect some thoughts or maybe my typical work day is completely different. And and I'll just do today, for example. You know, I came in, I responded to emails, I logged in some RFIs, I logged in and reviewed some submittals, I got some RFIs out, uh, you know, and, and forwarded them on to other people, I answered a few RFIs. I sat down with my boss. We went over a project that we were doing some um, uh, some marketing work for. Then I'm gonna I'm helping out doing some graphics. Then I uh, sat down and um, talked to another boss about another project and where we're at with the construction documents, getting it ready for permit. And if you think about it, all of these are so many different activities. You know, like we were talking about in previous shows about distractions and stuff. There's no stream of consciousness of how any of that stuff works or ties together because they're separate projects but similar, you know, tasks and things like that. That's how a normal day goes. So it's not a just sit down, I'm going to do this project and move on. The workday is unconventional. The way we teach uh, kids how to do it is unconventional. So does the model of clocking in from 9 to 5 really work? Well, are you ever not working? I mean, is your brain ever completely shut off from what you do at your day job? No, not at all. It, it, and it's not even anything you can control, it, right? How many times have you found... And let, let me take that a little step further. How many times have you found yourself either in the middle of the night waking up saying, Oh, that's yeah. what I could have done. And, then, well, and and I plan on that now. Yeah. It's so, it's so awesome, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm glad that happens. I actually feed certain problems into my subconscious so that it will work on it because I know that that the inspiration isn't going to strike. And that's one thing that I think as I've gotten older, I've realized that I actually can do. And I think this is interesting. This is something I never experienced when I was in school. Um, but that's not to say it didn't happen. I just probably wasn't aware of it. But what I do now is during the day, I kind of fill my 
clock in time with busy work. I fill it in yeah. with all the stuff that you just said because yeah. those have to get done anyway, right? And so if I'm sitting at my desk and I need to talk to somebody or I need to make a phone call and I need to run to the other department and, and coordinate the graphics and all that stuff, I can do all that and I can check off the list one at a time. But when inspiration strikes, I'm ready for it because I have all that other stuff taken care of. And so that's typically what I'm doing during the day, too. I'm just doing the stuff that I need to do because it has to get done. And I'm just waiting for that inspiration to strike so that I can do the really exciting, right. um, I will say, more fun part of the job. Um, that's totally loaded. But I think that that is an interesting development in my creative career is realizing that creativity is not on the clock and it just happens when it happens and you just kind of have to be ready for it. So you do keep a notepad by your bed. You do uh, think of these things in the shower. How the heck are you going to remember this thing when you're in the shower as soon as you get out? Those become the problems that we, we also have to solve. And I think this, this permeates through our entire life. This is not, you know, obviously our, our subconscious is working on more than just work. It's also working on family problems. It's also working on, you know, those, those projects that you have going on around the house and the, the thing you have to deal with with your car. And there's so many of these different aspects, but it becomes important to realize that you, you take care of that busy work right now so that you can be ready when that thing really strikes, that really exciting thing when it actually happens. But so, so Neil, so going back to the conventional, unconventional, like work day, I mean, are you, I mean, I I know that you're not a 95 guy. I mean, even if you want to be or try to be, there are, are things that whether it's meeting with clients or going and um, you're on the planning commission and things like that, that take up more of your time. So, I mean, how is your day spent? Uh, you know, it varies day to day, just like, just like you guys, right? I mean, sometimes there's planning commission issues to deal with. Sometimes it's just school stuff. Sometimes I've got to prepare for a damn scout meeting, um, that I'm running that night. Uh, so, uh, it's, a, it can be a white this morning. It was dealing with taxes, <laughs> writing the damn checks and, and sending, you know, going down to the post office and, uh, uh, you know, I spent just, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half just this morning, just dealing with that. Uh, or, or it can be, oh, I dropped the kids off. Oh, damn kid forgot. Uh, we forgot her library books. Oh, damn it. You know, and, <laughs> oh, and her sheet notes for the music class she takes after school this afternoon. Oh, crap. Okay. So I got to drive back home, grab all that stuff, bring it back to the school walk back to her class, drop it off. You know, it, I didn't it, even go to work today. I've got three sick kids. I mean, and these are the tax day, the sicknesses, all the stuff. These are the things that just happen, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my calendar is just, it's all over the map. And to be honest with you, it's very difficult for me to get more than four to six hours done in, on a job during the day. Okay, so how do you make the argument then, Neil, Thanks. about having work hours? <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Thank you. That was what <laughs> I was going after. Because, yeah, that, that doesn't sound like it works for you. Uh, no, it doesn't necessarily work for me, um, but I think there's an expectation out there by our clients um, and the business world in general that uh, during the day, right, uh, is when you should be available, and you should be you should be available. And so, if somebody calls you at ten in the morning or eleven in the morning, um, there is an expectation that uh, you're not sleeping because you stayed up till four a.m. because you were creative uh, that night, uh, and that you should you know you you should be working. I, I don't know if you are or not, but uh, there is that. I think there's that expectation. Is is kind of all I'm really saying is that there's the expectation that there is the work day. I would and agree with that. Whether or not you can get your work done during that day is is somewhat irrelevant. And I would say the same thing about our schooling, right? I mean, you had classes from eight in the morning, and then sometimes you had evening classes. But usually, you you know, you, by the time end of the day, your studio classes, your last one at five o'clock, 
you know, you're done, right? That is the end of your school day. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to not do any school that night. You may, I mean, you, you may be doing work on your studio project. You may be doing your homework for other things because you didn't have time during the day. But, uh, but school is, is, is similar to like my day now where, Hey, I might have a class from eight to nine thirty, and then a break until 11 and then a class from 11 to 12:30 and so you might have these breaks where you go off and you study for something else you read for this class you do that so this my school experience was similar to my work experience now where it, it goes up and down all day long and it doesn't sound like a conventional 9 to 5 job no where- no it certainly isn't but that is the convention that people expect but okay so no <laughs> See, you're you're saying one thing and doing something else. You're the the thing that you're saying is is that you've got kind of an unconventional day where you know you're doing this or that, and then you might have right. a break, or you might have to go do something with your kids, or you might have to go do something with your wife, or you're doing this or you're doing that. And that is not the conventional expected workday that you're explaining. You're explaining something that. I live with every day, which is I get to work, you know, I'm there uh, usually no later than, you know, 8.30-ish, and then I'm there till, you know, I, then I've got a lunchtime at, it's an hour lunch between 9 and, and 2 o'clock, you know, that I can take any time between that period, and then um, I'm back, and then I'm working, and normally uh, if I'm there at, at 8.30, you know, I'm, I'm used, I could be gone normally people start rolling out if they've been there um around 5 30 i left at i think seven o'clock today but that's a day-to-day thing but it's regular it's there and sure when people at 8 30 they're expecting cormac to be there doing his work and then moving on your 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 explaining one thing and living something else and I'm, I'm, I'm curious because your clients aren't the same as my clients. My right. clients have nine to five jobs too. Your clients have nine to five jobs, but the services that they're expecting from you is kind of like they're, 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 be sure they're probably expecting you to be working nine to five, but they're not expecting you to meet with them until, like, say, six or seven in the evening. Not, you know, not always, actually. Yeah. I would say that's the exception and not the rule. Um, I mostly meet my clients during the day, either at their lunchtime or after I drop the kids off at school. I'll meet them at nine in the morning um, or sometimes late in the afternoon, say, like, three thirty, four. So there's only a couple of clients that... Uh, actually only one right now that I meet in the evenings and that's the only time they offer. It's like, okay, if we can meet at seven 30, that that's what I'll be doing tomorrow night at seven 30 is meeting them because, uh, that's the only time they, they can meet. Well, I mean, but th- that's the exception. I normally do not meet in the evenings and there's not a lot of expectation that I do meet in the evenings, even with my single family or you know, add on or remodel type clients. Well, this leads to the bigger question is, is, you know, what, what model really works? Is it the, I have one word for you, <laughs> flexibility. Exactly. <laughs> that That's where I was, that's where I was going. I mean, you know, it really sounds like flexibility or the ability to do something, do more than just work. I mean, you know, and here's the thing that most corporate structured firms struggle with. Evan, you're ta- you know, we started this whole conversation off talking about creativity doesn't necessarily strike between the hours of nine to five. Um, it could, it could, it might not. Mm-hmm. So, but okay, if if say creativity strikes at eleven o'clock at night, and you know, for the next few hours, um, I start working on it. Can I get that back from my eight-hour workday? Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's where the flexibility. That's why I think we're going with this flexibility thing is... I would say yes. I mean, if you're going to work three hours in the evening because you have a doctor's appointment at 8 and you're not going to be in until 11, fine. 
I think well, that's but, fine. You should be able to do that. But see, those are usually the prearranged, you know, Mr. Boss, I'm, right. I've got a doctor's appointment, you know, I'll make up those hours or, you know, I'll, I'll take sick time or something. Yeah. Like but that. if I, if that's I'm corporate in a structure, firm, I know, but if I'm, if I'm in a firm and, and you just decide I'm not feeling creative this morning, I'm going to sit home and watch daredevil for three hours this morning and I'm just not going to come in. Because I'm not feeling creative. I'll, I'll come in later in the day and now oh, maybe I'll work till 10 o'clock tonight. How can you have that sort of flexibility when, say, I'm your coworker and I'm in the office and I need some information from you and you're just like n- not there that morning? It's like, how, how can I get anything done that way? Well, I think how can, uh, that, that to me, you can't do that. Now I can do that because I I'm the only one that has to answer to me, right? Exactly. So, the- but if I'm in a, if I'm working with, it, well, let's just bring it back to where we started the this this conversation tonight. If I did have somebody working for me, I would expect them to be available during the day. Now, then that's that when I mentioned about that virtual that's called issue. an employee. But well, okay, yeah, well, exactly. that's not that's a contractor. Yeah, so but if so- I've got an employee. I should expect them to, I don't care if they're not feeling creative at nine o'clock. It's like, you know, I'm paying you to be here or to work for me. While you're out taking your lunches to your daughter or going here, doing that. And And I'm fine with that. Go, go right ahead. But But I mean, uh, you know, some of that needs to be discussed beforehand. Like, Hey, I've got to, I've got to do such and such during lunch. Fine. This episode is sponsored by ArcCat. Would you like someone to draw CAD details for you, create BIM objects for you, maybe even write specifications for you? Would you like someone to do this all for free? RCAT has already done all of this for you. Search the RCAT libraries for these products and more, free of charge and no registration required to download content. RCAT has created a website devoted to you, the building professional, to find building product information fast and hassle-free. Check out ArcCat today at ArcCat.com. That's A-R-C-A-T dot com. And don't forget, if you're visiting Atlanta at the AIA convention, check out ArcCat's booth, the one with the giant glowing A at booth 2419. And thanks, ArcCat, for sponsoring ArcaSpeak podcast. I, I guess... At the end of the day, you're getting paid to work 40 hours during the week. When exactly you work those 40 hours is can be flexible, but flexible to a point. There there needs to be some, if you're not going to be there that morning, you need to let your coworkers know or whomever you're working for, right? You can't just not show up. If you're a small firm and you're, okay, so every scenario is totally different, but I don't subscribe to that at all. I think... Are, you shouldn't have to work 40 hours a week if there's not 40 hours of work to do. And if there's more than that to do, then, and you're a contractor, you get to decide when you're going to do it, right? So yeah, you can do all-nighters and you can work extra. You should get paid for, for the job. I, I honestly think that that's the best way to do it, is to say, here's how much it costs for me to do this thing. Mm-hmm. It's not, here's how much it costs for me to sit in a chair for 40 hours a week. Right. Right. I I honestly think that system is pretty freaking broken. Yeah, it is. I mean, because sometimes, I mean, you just got to have a break. You know, sometimes there's that mental tiredness, you know, and stuff like well, that. Well, if yeah. the 40 hour work week doesn't work, I mean, I, I'm on board with that. Or if there's not 40 hours of work to do, but if you're being paid, uh, whether it's a salary or just to, to work, hourly i i i guess i'm not sure how that how a, what other model works here i guess if if you've got a a remodel job and it's you know i've got a ten thousand dollar fee to do it um you do what it takes to get it done right well yeah i do what it takes to get it done but i always but but when you guys were talking about but re- do you not do, recording but do you do hours, hours a week no for, i don't for, i can't even get 40 hours in during the week just, okay. Unless I work like from five in the morning for a couple hours and work late at night for a couple hours, it's hard for me to get eight hours of work in during the day. 
But but you establish a schedule, you establish a fee for that project, you agree upon it with your um, client, and then right. you you do whatever it takes to get it done. And if you're flexible throughout the day where you just can't get anything done during the day because, you know, you've got other commitments and things like that, and then, um, but you still get it done on time, I mean, that's... That's not a 40-hour work week. That's a, you know, it could be a 50-hour work week. It could be 20 hours this week, but that now it's right. uh, 60 hours or whatever the next week or whatever. It's what Evan's saying. It's whatever gets the job done. And that's normally how we work anyway. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, even though in a corporate structure of, of 9 to 5, we're getting paid for a 40-hour work week, I mean... We always do whatever it takes to get the job done, regardless. I mean, that's just what it is. If you think about it, okay, if it, you know you're looking at it as a, a project singular type thing, and and I don't, I've, I haven't had a singular project type work life in a very, very long time. I mean, I'm loaded with multiple different projects, like you know most people are in in the profession anyway. Um, I'm you know clearly not a, a a special case, but I mean, I I can never get forty hours per anything. It's it's a scattered scattered approach to getting any and every project done in the time that it's in whatever time it takes to get it done. I mean, we've said that you know, I mean, Evan said that numerous times in the past. It's you work, however, whatever it takes to get the job done, you get it done. I think that one of the bigger problems that I've seen coming out of that kind of typical way of working now is is doing unnecessary work or too much in certain areas. Yeah. And that's something that we've really been trying to pay attention to is over over delivering st- just stuff that was not on the contract, stuff that we shouldn't have done. I think a lot of architects are guilty of that too. Just doing too much work. Right. So I'm not talking about the 20 hour weeks. I'm talking about those 60 hour weeks. <laughs> a lot of times you're, you're doing more than you should for what you're getting paid for. What, what's a, what's a speci- specific example exactly? I mean, I, th- um, I think okay, I know, so I think something I that happens, about. something that happens to us all the time is that the client thinks that the renderings get updated throughout the course <sighs> of the project. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> And that's just not how it works, right? You, we all know that after SD or DD, or you know, there's usually a point in time at which there are there is a snapshot of the project, mm-hmm. and those are the renderings. But then there are board meetings, and there are executive team meetings, and there are community meetings, and they want to show everybody what the latest greatest is, but they want it to be photo real, right? Mm-hmm. And we're working in Revit, and that is a construction documents based program it is not made for pretty renderings all the time like yes you can do it but is that the wisest use of your time inside of revit not at all right and so now that's something that we struggle with because as soon as you give them an updated set of renderings they don't care how long it took they don't care what you had to go through to get it it just showed up in their mailbox one day and so they want it to show up again and again and again and so I, I feel like that those are the kinds of things where it takes time, it costs money to do those kind of things. And yes, you were a really nice person for doing that the first time, but you overstepped your contractual yeah, bounds, yeah. and and now it becomes the expectation. Yeah. But you know, we do that to ourselves on virtually every aspect of the dang project. Mm-hmm. You know, it's oh, you know, can I just get a little bit of this or a little bit of that? It's really you know. fast. It's really easy. Uh, it won't yeah. take you any time at all. As soon as I mean, somebody you've, you've, else tells me that, yeah. that's a red flag. You've already you've already <laughs> done this, right? I mean, you've you've done it once. How hard can it be to just update it? Yeah, <laughs> it's just like uh, let's see. And the everybody else knows that the this the that. Yeah, yeah. Not only does the rendering take hours and hours of setup and rendering time, but then it takes hours and hours of Photoshop time, and then you got to put it into a presentation, and then you got to print it, or you have to send it out to be printed, and. And the inks run out, and, you know, there's all kinds of problems that come along with and that. And somebody forgets to change of. the paper in the plotter. <laughs> 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 oh, the day in the life of the architect here. It, it, this is the definite, you know, um, working sp- smarter, not harder. And I think 
you know, a lot of times in the nine to five job, we're just working harder because that's what we're expected to do. But well, and we're pretty good at that, yeah. right? Well, I mean, <laughs> we're we, programmed we to do that. Default to that, yeah. I mean, that's what we're expected to do. That's what we're, you know, that's what we've been doing for you know millennia of this profession. You know, I'm I'm curious, you know, how the, um, you know, how some of these other guys, you know, back in the day, you know, like these master builder architects, where you know they did all of eight drawings. And then spent, you know, time out in the field kind of directing construction or at least advising, you know, uh, contractors and things Observing, like that. Cormac. Observing. Uh, uh. <laughs> Only observing. Observing. <laughs> Cormac, you bring I don't know. I don't know. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, you bring up something very interesting because every time I've seen old sets of plans... You're right. There's six or eight sheets and that's it. And some beautiful structure got built from that or mm-hmm. beautiful house or something. And the architects were involved in the construction. And over time we've gotten away from that. And so all we're doing is working harder. I mean, could we, could we redo now? Maybe not for your types of jobs, but for my yes, types of jobs, could. could we cut that back to, Oh my God, look at what just BIM, a few sheets and look then what BIM just, has done. BIM is done, so now we can see every duct BIM. route. I'm and so sick of BIM. Every, BIM this, BIM every pipe, every conduit. And so now we get to figure all that stuff out instead of the... We used to be able to rely on the contractor to do that. You know, and, and that's I'm the, sick of BIM. Well, you, you <laughs> should, we should be sick of lawyers because that's what happened. Is we were, we're so afraid of the liability of some we error somewhere. Everything. But don't right. you think that we get caught up in how cool that is to be able to do all that and offer that to our clients. And we don't really think about charging them more to do it. I don't, but you know, you know that, that there are many a guilty architect out there who has done that because they thought that was just cool. Right. Well, (laughs) yeah, but then there's the, well, you know, the last time on this project, I kind of, I got screwed because I forgot to, you know, include this one detail and, and it, you know, and instead of sitting down with the contractor and just kind of working it out and there, there's the day when the eight drawings and means and methods, that was the way things were built. Now we say means and methods, but then they say, yeah, but you didn't show it in the in the drawings, and so so I didn't build it, you know, because it wasn't shown. And you're thinking to yourself, means and methods, but they're like, but this is a contract document, and if it's not shown, I ain't doing it. <laughs> yeah. And so now we've gotten to the point where we've over-designed and over-detailed and over-did and everything, and... We've done it to a particular standard or something else, and it may or may not be the way that the um, the manufacturer builds it. And so when it deviates, what's going to happen? Somebody's going to ask for a change order for something because it's not the way that this manufacturer did it. And yes, and before everybody starts saying, you know, well, you've got all these different specification criteria and they should be meeting that and all this other stuff. You know the reality. You've been out there. For the people who've been out there long enough to know that you're going to get into some dispute because um, you're going to have the low-bid contractor who says, I didn't bid it that way, I bid it this way. And and, and no matter how you say, eh, well, you know, too bad for you, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> it, it never ends up working that way. And even if it does work that way, it doesn't work out to your favor of the integrity of the design or your sanity or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) True. Truth. But I mean, you know, where is the, the work smarter, not harder? I mean, it's everybody works in different ways. And so there may be the nine to five guy, Neil. Then there also may be the, I'm going to give you my, your eight hours, but I'm going to give it to you in parts and pieces because I'll be able to work, I'll be able to do this, take a break, do that, take a break, or do this, and do that, and then go do something else, because I've got to go do something else, and then come back. You know, you've got that flexibility to be able to do that. I don't. I've got to stay 9 to 5, 
you know, I always jokingly refer to it as being chained to my desk and you sort of are. And I sort of, right? I sort of am, you know, because yeah, you are by I'm chained to my desk by the expectations of not only my employers, but also the clients that I work with. Now, so is there some level of security involved for being chained to that desk? The level of security being you get a paycheck every week. Um, it's a certain value. There's, you know, your health benefits or your vacation, your sick time. I mean, is, is that what you're trading off or, or is that well, what we're, we're trading off as a profession, right? Or is that the trade off? You get these other benefits, but you do, you get chained to your desk, right? Because the opposite of that is the ultimate flexibility, maybe what I have, but then I get nothing. I don't get a check every week. I don't get vacation. I don't get sick time. If I'm not, if I'm not, you know, essentially quote unquote, billing time to a project. And even when I do bill time to a project, I'm still not getting paid for it. I get a check when I bill somebody for something that I've completed. And so, um, yes, I have the ultimate flexibility, but I have nothing else. I have no guarantees when I go on, you know, when the family, goes on a vacation like we did recently with spring break. Um, yeah, I just don't get paid. And at the same time, I have to manage my client's expectations of, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to work on your project this week. So here, here's, here's a little bit of a, um, admission. So you went on vacation with your family because they were off for spring break. You had that flexibility. You know what I did for, with my family on spring break? said, see you later, I'll be home after work. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's an honest trade-off, but, with you know, you've got, you, I think you're, <laughs> I don't know why you're missing the pros and cons here, you know, in your pros, to me, I enjoyed when I worked on my own. I, we I all have, want the opposite of what we have. Exactly. I, I mean, <laughs> yes, Neil, you want the, you want the security of, of income. And working on your own, I remember it completely how nerve-wracking it is to make sure money is coming in and make sure that I can pay the bills and pay the consultants and stuff like that. And and it was it was absolutely the most nerve-wracking thing. But the thing that outweighed all of that nerve-wracking, you know, rigmarole was the fact that I had a lot of flexibility in my day schedule to be able to do things with my family and to be able to do things, um, you know, maybe, maybe instead of working on a drawing for the client, the client and I are going to go take a field trip to a project that they really like. And we're going to go take a look at it and, you know, just kind of like distill the essence of what they really enjoy about that project. And, you know, so it's something that we could kind of, you know, implement in the project that we're working on. So those are the, the fun, flexible things that, or at least in my experience and in my corporate job, recently is that i don't have that i have a you have to be here 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 and here well i don't know is that an acceptable to, is that the trade-off i guess is my question is well, is that an acceptable so i'm, tra- is that, I'm trading is, off is that the trade-off for me i'm trading off flexibility for a constant constant paycheck you know constant benefits whatever right you're trading off the constant benefits and the constant paycheck for complete control and flexibility. Is there a happy medium here somewhere? Okay, hold that thought and we'll get back to that in just a second. We'd like to thank our newest sponsor, Roundhouse Labs, and they make a brand new product that's out called Roundhouse PM. Roundhouse PM is an online communication tool for architects, engineers, owners, and contractors or just about anybody in the design or construction world who needs to share critical information. That's everybody, right? Roundhouse PM is essentially a platform for tracking project information like construction documents, RFIs, submittals, pay applications, and more. Roundhouse PM has a unique SkyView dashboard that allows you to view the current status of not just a single project at a time, but a firm-wide snapshot of all your active projects sorted by urgency. 
Imagine the time saved by logging into one place to get an overview of how many outstanding RFIs or submittals your entire team has at any given time. Roundhouse PM was developed by industry-leading architects to enhance their own business and profitability, and it was such a success they've refined it and are offering it to the general AEC market. It's just a great communication management tool because it's amazingly useful on a single project level, at a studio level, or at a firm-wide level. It's such a great communication management tool because it's amazingly useful on a single project level, at a studio level, or at a firm-wide level, and it's very affordable. Go to roundhouselabs.com to learn more about what they're up to and visit them at the AIA convention in Atlanta at booth 3283. That's booth 3283. Write that down in the Software and Technology Pavilion. Roundhouse PM is a construction communication hub, but we like to say get in the roundhouse. So thanks, Roundhouse, for sponsoring the Argus B podcast. Is there a happy medium here somewhere? I, I I don't know. Is the is there a happy medium, or is it or is it going to just be one or the other? I, I'm going to look. I'm going to I'm going to throw out a little bit of optimism here. I'm going to say that the this millennial generation, you know, the ones that we like to complain about, oh, you know, they can't focus, they can't do this, they can't do that. I guarantee that there is going to be some workplace epiphany, some innovation that they're going to basically say, okay, look, you know, I mean, these are the kids who, and I'm going to jump uh, sideways here real quick. I mean, these are the kids who are okay with working two and three jobs because, you know, this job they may go to a couple times a day. This time uh, they go to like, you know, one day a week, that two days a week. This one they may do three days a week. And it may sound like that they're overworking themselves, but they're what they're doing is they're working in a work-life balance, a flexibility balance, and things like that, that the 9-to-5-er really don't have. And so I, I see innovation on the way we work in the future. And, I, and I, I even told my son, I was like, look, if you ever went into architecture, not that I'm telling them not to go into it or anything, but they've actually got interests other than architecture um, that they want to go into. But I told them, I was like, if you ever went into architecture, the way that I work and the way that you would work are going to be completely different. Architecture will change, and it's going to change dramatically. Um, and we're just, you know, we probably will be retired or have died at our desk um, when that happens. <laughs> but there is going to be a shift in the way that we do it. And I guarantee it's actually going to be a return to the way that things, you know, those eight page architects used to be, (laughs) you know, the ones that had, okay. So when I brought it up, uh, I was thinking about some of the documentaries that I watched on, like say Frank Lloyd Wright, where they were out there and he was on TV being interviewed. He was, on game shows he was out in the field you know he was in his studio he was out carousing whatever i mean and he you know he had that part sounds like fun (laughs) but i mean he just had he had a different work schedule that was different than nine to five it was whenever to whenever it was frank lloyd wright time but it was something that was a a balance of satisfaction. And I think whether (laughs) I look at it this way, I think you might actually be sure you'd like a little bit more security in, you know, this salary and a little bit of security on knowing when your next check is coming in. But I mean, to me, I, I look at your situation is you've got a little bit closer balance of satisfaction than I do because Sometimes, you know, you kind of get stuck in the drudgery because you're doing it over and over. It becomes repetitive motions. You have this in, you know, harkening back to my days of working on my own. You you have this ultimate, ultimate flexibility where you're not stuck in the same thing every single day. You're not clocking in. You're not clocking out. You're not just going through motions. And I think that there's going to be an evolution in the way that you know, not just architecture works, but work in general. That uh, I'm being the optimist guy here, hoping that it really 
is something that actually works towards the benefit. So there's a, the, the payoff is satisfaction. The payoff is, you know, the, the flexibility and all this other stuff. Those are just, you know, buzzwords for how they work and all this other stuff. But the ultimate goal is personal and professional satisfaction. I think we're already seeing that change. I think we've seen it. I think the internet has helped really? that change. Are they hiring? <laughs> no, but I mean, when you talk about um, the opportunities that the internet gives us with virtual meetings and all these other things and working from home and laptops, right? I mean, all of these yeah, things, portability, yeah. portability, thank you, is, is all things that are leading to this change or that are allowing this change to happen. And I think your comment about the millennials is probably dead on. And it, it, it may take a few more years for that to really start to come into play, but architecture will change along with that. All right. We've already seen it. The, the days of having to be in the office to do either the drafting work, right? Because your plans were literally taped to your desk. Uh, so you had to be at your desk, uh, and we've we've shifted that to the computer now, and now with uh, the modern laptops and the portabilities, things with iPads or something, we can do markups and we can do things either in the field or at home. It is allowing that change to happen. Now we just need we need that mental change of nine to five in the office to change. That's the part that I think that isn't changing yet, um, and maybe maybe it is somewhere. The demand is going to be so high that if an office doesn't change, there'll be history. Yeah. It's, there's no doubt about it because all of the people who don't want it to change aren't going to be around that much longer. Well, so I think the millennials are going to make it the profession that they want it to be. Let's hope so. <laughs> are we trying to say the millennials are the saviors of the future of architecture? No, they're going to be, they're going to make it theirs. They're going to make it theirs. I mean, what's interesting about it is, is that have we in our current, in our generation, in our age group of people who are working in this profession, have we made it our own or we, have we been really kind of following the, the established tenet of nine to five clocking in, clocking out kind of thing that has been, you know, going on since the fifties or whatever. I mean, I think right now we're sort of, we're sort of straddling the beginning of the change with the the mobility factor of everything, you know, being able to do remote working, being able to do, have remote meetings and things like that. I think we're on the threshold and we're kind of helping usher it in, but it's not really going to change until... Well, our generation ushered in a different change, right? We, we, we ushered in the computer change. The the the, is, the change to CAD, or at least my generation yeah, did, or our what? generation did, right? I mean, but, when I started, we were drawing by hand, and we brought that in. Okay. Or it came in at the time that we were moving up in our careers, or moving through the beginning of our careers, is when the computer first started, for me at least. And and so that that's the change that maybe my generation's bringing in. Yeah, but we had to go through growing pains with the computer because, you know, absolutely there were growing pains. There the, still are. It, well, and that's the thing is is that, you know, we're I would definitely say we're still well deep into that whole growing pain issue because I was talking about this with um uh my boss the other day, you know, and he was he's he came up in the hand drafting and then these slow transition into that. And then when he was a principal and stuff that he didn't really have to deal with CAD drafting and stuff like that. He was like, look, you know, when, when we used to walk around as project managers and stuff in the office, I mean, everybody had their, you know, the drawings that they were working on tape to the desk and we could actually see the full sheet of exactly what was going on and we can comment on it and stuff. And right now everything seems so snapshot, you know, you walk, by somebody and they're like zoomed into like you know a corner of a wall or something like that and you really don't under really don't know what's going on with the project and and i think in a way we've lost a little bit and i don't want to because they can't even open a file well, <laughs> well yes Print they that can. for me well right. you know but th- okay but that's okay i'm glad you're saying that because that's kind of where i'm going with this is that you know we 
the computers has actually in a way kind of made us work a lot harder for something that we claim to be a lot easier. So, oh, well, you know, um, if I, if I wanted to move that wall, I don't have to redraw it or erase it. I can just stretch the wall. But how many times did you print that out before you decided that you were going to change that wall? You know, you've, we've become wasteful. You know, I, I think we're far more wasteful, uh, resource wise within the computer age than we were previous to that. Yeah, we were generating paper because we were drawing on it, but if you were good at it, you were only going to draw it once. You, you, we generate far more paper today than, oh, we the, do, uh, yeah. than we did back, you know, a number of years ago, or when we drafted by hand, let's put it that way. Right. And the, one of the frustrating things is, is you, uh, when you're drafting by hand, you draw something and, you know, it's approximately 12 feet long, right? And you put a dimension on it and you say it's 12 feet, it's 12 feet. doesn't matter what, what it is, right? You get it into the computer and suddenly it's, you know, and we're going to get off my lawn here, I guess, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's 12 feet and 64 or, you know, 32 64 or something. Oh Jesus. And then you got to, you know, make it just right. Otherwise and, known as a half. Yeah. You, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make up some crazy number and I come up with a half swell. <laughs> Are we working more efficiently? Maybe I, I think uh, we chase our tail a lot. Yeah. Well, we do. I, I didn't. I didn't mean to actually go that direction. You know, because Sorry. I mean that's well. <laughs> no, I mean it's that's kind of off topic from you know what we were talking about is you know kind of like the the office hour type how you work within the office kind of thing. I mean, yeah, that's a that's just a part of it and all of that other stuff. But I I think that just back to this whole working smarter, but finding the personal and professional satisfaction out of it I, th- I think that we're stuck in that limbo between what we're expected to do with the what you were saying earlier about you know we're expected to have the come in and do the 40 hour week um clocking in nine to five kind of thing um I, I think we're just at a we're at a threshold where all of this stuff this electronic stuff is coming at us so quickly that we're not sure how to implement it correctly and it's really going to take another well, generation to really... There is no such thing. There's no such thing as implementing it correctly. It's no. all <laughs> an adventure. <laughs> it's figuring it out. Well, but I, but but what I'm saying is, is that... Because the reason we're figuring it out is because we're transitioning from the good old days to the future. Yeah, and I think it's all the transition now. There's no such thing as a destination anymore. True. I would agree with that. I think we're in a state of constant change, and we always have been, to a certain extent, right? I mean, uh, we well, drew things no. by paper, There's then still we conventions, had pen though. and ink, and all these different methods. But right? those are those are tools. But we still follow the right. same pr- the same conventions. What I'm yeah. saying is, is that there's going to be, you know, this, the informational and electronic revolution is going to change the way, just the simple way of working and doing simple tasks and things like that. Yeah. I'm actually, I, I sort of wish that I would live long enough to be able to do the, uh, crap, what's the, um, what was the, uh, Tom Cruise movie where, um, Minority, Minority Report. That's, you want to. Uh, is that the, how, it, wait a minute. Is that how you want to spend your eight hours in the office with your hands waving through the air? I want to grab a hold. I want to grab a hold of you know something and move it over and and build it and stretch it and all that other stuff and and think about it. One, first of all, I would be I would be in far better shape. <laughs> so <laughs> it would be sitting on my ass. At, so you wait know, a minute. I think click what, away. Was, was it Iron Man? Uh, was it Iron Man three when when uh, yeah. he stepped into the computer and he's That's what moving it around? You know exactly and, and doing that uh, that sort of that that's, why would, that's the future of architecture? Well, yes, why, why should why shouldn't we want to actually like be able to be in the space building it? Rather than sitting there and just kind of like drawing one little thing here, you can actually like physically be within the space, moving stuff around and putting it Talk in about place. doing too much work. Wait a minute. Yeah, you're talking about complaining <laughs> no. about your 40-hour work. We've no, got, no, because now, now we're only just one step away from being able to, while we're doing that, 
having some machine out there like actually like swinging it swinging it all in place and building it while we were building it there you go oh, so I so see. we okay. got a little cube some so little you are cube. the master builder we, again. we exactly drop it on the site and and then we just draw it on the site and so it's like this model that's on the site and then maybe it just prints itself exactly that's, that's how we do it so we know that's it the office is gone we'll just like we'll go to the site and we'll just do it on site wave our hands around hell you don't even have then... to go on site you don't even have to uh i mean sure you got to get out of bed but you know <laughs> <laughs> so we've gone from from working uh chain ball and chain to your desk to now we're just <laughs> we're, the yeah. future of architecture is you're gonna just lay in your bed <laughs> <laughs> wow well that's that sounds like an interesting future <laughs> you heard it here first you'll see well we, we you won't you'll be dead <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot Cormac. well maybe i won't uh, maybe my kids will right yeah all right let's wrap it up uh, let's see so we'd like to once again thank ArcCat and Roundhouse Labs for sponsoring this episode of the ArcaSpeak podcast. We'd like to also remind you that if you have any questions or comments, please visit our website at ArcaSpeakPodcast.com, where there you'll find our individual Twitter accounts and a link to the ArcaSpeak podcast Facebook page. So you too can join in in the conversation. And if you have any inspiring tales to share, call the ArcaSpeak podcast hotline at 415-484-8496. And if the audio turns out okay, we'll be able to even share it on the show. And if you haven't already done so, let me remind you to please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps uh, raise awareness about the show on iTunes as well. And the other thing is you can sign up for the show notes. Neil works really hard writing up the show notes, which includes links and uh, all kinds of cool stuff that we talk about during the show. So it is one click away. And you can sign up to get those emailed directly to you. Uh, if you go to just about any page on the website, on the right-hand side, you can sign up and have those delivered the night before the show goes live. And for everybody, we look forward to meeting you all in Atlanta at the AIA convention in just uh, a short bit. That's right. That'll be fun. Cormac, any parting wise words? Yeah, look for me. I'll have the barbecue stain on my shirt. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that, actually. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah, exactly. All right, guys. See you next time. All right. Good night. Bye. Oh, you can bet I know, I know